Hey, y'all, it's Noxie. Thanks for listening to the Detailed Solutions Podcast. And now, a little bit more about one of our sponsors. Alex, have you heard about the pain assassins on Facebook? No, Noxie, what's that? I'm glad you asked, you wrinkled little booby. Pain Assassins was started by a dude named Jason Bruno to where detailers can find the camaraderie that they're looking for without any of the negative trolling bullshit like other Facebook groups. Not only that, but they can compete with their work weekly, monthly, or yearly to win prizes. Oh, dude, and they make sick merchandise, so you always have fresh gear to wear. Whoa. <sighs> anyway, y'all want to check it out? Again, it's Pain Assassins on Facebook or Instagram. Check it out. Welcome to the Detail Solutions Podcast. My name is Alex Russell, and I am your host. Uh, yes, I know it's a Thursday, so I'm recording this on, a, or well, it's a Wednesday. You guys are listening to it on Thursday, um, but it's not a what's on your mind. Um, I know you guys are used to those being on Thursdays, but we've done, I don't know, three or four topic episodes in a row now, so I wanted to get back to the Q&As. So um, you guys know the deal, the Detail Solutions podcast um, on all social media. So um, Facebook and Instagram and the Detail Solutions podcast discussion page on Facebook is where you guys can go and drop your uh, comments, your um, suggestions for episodes, suggestions for guests, um, things of that nature. And uh, yeah, that's about it. I'm trying to get quicker at these. Um, so tonight I've got Scott Perkin all the way from Canada. Um, I know it's been a while since we've had somebody international. So Scott, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. How are you doing today? I'm excellent, man. Um, so Scott, like for people who don't know who you are, um, give everybody a little intro, like who you are, which are, what, what do you do and where are you from? Uh, my name is Scott Perkin. I own uh, Scotty's Shine Shop, and we are located in London, Ontario, Canada. So for anybody who doesn't know where that is, uh, we're about two hours north of Detroit, uh, kind of halfway between Detroit, uh, Detroit and Toronto. Nice. So we're in what's called Southern Ontario. Uh, so we're kind of surrounded by three of the Great Lakes. Uh, Medium-sized city. We're about four or 500,000 people here. Um, I've been in business since November of 93 wow. and we specialize in uh, uh, paint correction, ceramic coatings, uh, high-end window tint and paint protection foam. Awesome. Well, listen, I'm going to ask you one real question. One real quick question that has nothing to do with detailing. How cold is it there today? Very cold. <laughs> What's very cold? Uh, Come on, throw a number out there. Um, let me just look. You can, you can guess to me. Yeah. The problem with where I am with respect to weather, so it's 40 degrees here Fahrenheit right oh, now. Oh, it's not bad. Um, the problem with, because we're surrounded by uh, so much water, uh -huh. it's very humid here. Okay, so it's, so it's a little wet. warmer. 
Yeah. Well, or, well it, you feel it more. Right? Yeah, so yeah. When it's cold here, it's a very wet cold. So it's okay, gotcha. Chill. Gotcha. Um, like I've been out west to Calgary, Edmonton area where it's a lot drier. Uh-huh. And even though it's really cold, I didn't find it was that big. Everyone thought I was nuts when I was out there because I wasn't dressing in 30 layers of clothing. But <laughs> compared to here, I mean, here it just, it just chills you to the bone. I gotcha. Yeah. I, I, I know I was, you're probably joking around with. Yeah. I, yeah. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Where, where I am, I mean, it does get cold, but it's not like what most Americans think of cold uh, yeah canadian Canada, cold because yeah. if you actually look at where i'm located i'm actually farther south than probably about a third of the u.s yeah and that's that's what i was just thinking and that's why i asked you too because i was actually talking to one of my buddies today who's in uh new york and i think he said it was like 20 something or whatever and i was clowning on him that it was 87 here and i was getting ready to jump in the pool so, <laughs> so when you started, said, yeah yeah so when you when you said canada i was just like ah oh, let me see how cold it is in canada um so 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 here's the thing uh okay so 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 since 93 you've been in business so like what's the how when and where you know that got you into detailing so i'll try and give you the truncated version of how this uh how this happened i was uh always into cars. Uh, cars are in my family. My grandfather was a, uh, uh, factory worker at Chrysler okay. in the thirties. A number of my family members, cause, uh, they lived in Windsor, Ontario, which is right across the border from Detroit. So there's a lot of auto factories in that area. And yeah. my grandfather worked for uh, Chrysler during the war and ended up going to night school and getting his business degree. And then he became working his way up and became president of pure little oil, oil filters. Um, so the automotive industry has kind of always been in our family for the last, you know, 70, 80 years. Wow. My dad was a banker, um, but always into cars. So growing up, my dad always had a variety of different cars that he was into. So I always kind of loved cars. And I went to school for broadcasting. I was going to be a newscaster. And while I was in school, I worked for uh, U-Haul Canada, first at a local U-Haul Center. And then when I was in school, the Canadian headquarters for U-Haul was located in the city I went to school in. So I worked there while I was at school and met a lot of guys who were independent U-Haul dealers. And there were a couple of guys from my city that had a detailing business. And, you know, being the dumb kid that I was, I thought I can do that and I can do that better than they can (laughs) and really knew nothing about anything. Um, but I used to, you know, always clean my own cars and clean my dad's cars. And, um, when I graduated from school, the climate for school was not particularly wonderful for getting a great job and an opportunity opened where, uh, the shop that I used to be in, where I was in for 24 years, uh, became available. And my boss at U-Haul had said, Hey, look, there's this detail shop that's available downtown you should you should look into doing that and within jumping in head first without really knowing what i was doing i was open in two weeks oh wow and i've been doing it ever since and just you know a lot of luck and perseverance we've been able to uh to make it happen wow so if you were 93 i mean you're you're like going way back then and that's and that's kind of a cool thing right because the more we've been doing this now with the podcast you know, we're, we're getting some of those guys like that are on like your level, like 
the old Autotopia days, right? Like, you know, before Facebook That's, was out and everything. You were around for a long time, even before, before Autopia. Yeah, um, yeah. Some of the guys that I've known in the industry for probably over 20 years now, like Joe Fernandez from uh, Superior Shine, uh-huh. Scott Hare, Scott Wax from Dallas, Texas. I met those guys on these, I think they were called Delphi forums back in the 90s. Oh, where, wow. Yeah, right when I first got dial-up internet and started searching for auto detailing related things and found those guys on there. And there were these little chat groups that you could go in and ask questions. And and that's where I met those guys like 20 something years ago. So we're going a ways back. I mean, you you couldn't access the kind of education and information that you can get at your fingertips now, back when I first opened, I, I had to try and scrounge up what little information was out there in terms of books and very little actual training yeah so it was it was pretty trippy back then yeah yeah i mean it, listen i mean we've had guys like fermani and todd helm and you know like a who's who's of everybody and that's kind of the thing they said you know when they got into it it was you know trying to you know just you know i want to say the term google but it was probably before google <laughs> you know like you're searching the internet um you know to try to figure out how to do these things and and yeah there was all these little like you know little little detail sites that that had those things and that's where everybody got their knowledge from because there wasn't anything i mean shit i remember eddie fusa telling me he went to the library and checked out a book on on detailing because i think it was I think it might've even been before the internet or, or, you know, he didn't know where to look on the internet. So he's going to the library, checking out books on, on how oh, to, how to detail. <laughs> I remember being there. I found this book. Uh, do you know what RM auctions is? Uh, yeah. I've heard of them. Yeah. Big auction house. So that yeah, place is actually yeah. based uh, about an hour away from me in okay. Chatham, Ontario. And they had a, uh, so they have a big restoration facility there. And at one point in the early nineties, they actually had a museum in the mall where I live. And I remember they had a a store in that museum and that's where I got, I was so excited. I found this professional auto detailing. And I think every guy from my era that started back then had a copy of this book. And I remember being so excited to get this book and go and dig into it and see if I could learn something new uh, from having this book. There literally was nothing. Yeah. Nothing like that. So that's crazy. I, I, I just, I don't know. Like, I, I guess now with all the technology and, and me being into it kind of so new and there's all the technology and everything. Like, I, I don't know, like when people talk about learning it from a book, I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, I kind of go back and think like, what was that like learning, you know, to learn detailing from a book? Like you really yeah. didn't learn much. I'll tell you yeah, that. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like, how do you know? Very how do you know arm speed? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and then, and, rudimentary. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was with a rotary too. Like, I mean, most people have a hard enough time with rotaries to begin with. So to have to try to learn from a book on a rotary. <laughs> Obert Car Care was founded on the basic idea of remove the guesswork. And that's one reason it received the Product of the Year Award in 2021 at the Southern Detail Conference. As professionals, we forget how difficult and confusing pain correction can be. And that same challenge applies when trying to train employees to duplicate the quality of finish and work that you would yourself. The Oberg system removes the guesswork from pain correction and provides results every single time. To learn more, check out obergcarcare.com. 
and use the code DSP20 to save 20% off any wheel cleaner for the month of March. Well, we, uh, when we first opened, I remember I went and bought my first rotary and, um, trying that for the first time, how terrifying that was. Yeah. Um, I actually had a, um, what do you call it? A, uh, an air powered rotary was my first rotary. Okay. So it was a pneumatic rotary. And I just remember, I was like, I did not like that at all. Yeah. And then I bought this gigantic metal housing, black and Decker, uh, <laughs> rotary polisher. That was, I mean, that thing was a workhorse. And I had that for years and years and years in the early to mid nineties. Yeah. And had a guy who was an old body shop guy, uh, teach me a few things about that. And I, there's a funny story where I ran into uh, someone years and years and years after uh, I'd seen this customer and he started detailing this guy's cars in Toronto. And I remember doing this guy's car and I mean, not having the information or training. And I thought I was pretty good. Yeah. But I did. I mean, this is 25 years ago. And I remember doing his car and afterwards, maybe a year later, and me and this customer looking over, his, it was a black Olds 98. Okay. And looking over this car and thinking, wow, you really, really did a great job in this car. It just looks absolutely wet. And, you know, being really proud of myself for the job I did on this car and seeing it a year later and thinking, oh my God, what happened to your car? <laughs> like nothing. And I'm like, well, who's been working on it? It's all covered in swirl marks. And he's like, nobody's touched it after you did it. And I'm like, well, I didn't do that. And it turned yeah. out. Yeah, I was using this product that was just full of fillers <laughs> and did this job and it looked amazing. And then obviously, you know, after it left, like a lot of guys, yeah. you know, think if you don't know what you're doing and that was where I got a real, like, that's gotta be probably 1996. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, I've got to obviously still some, some things to learn here. Yeah. So. yeah. That's, that's how I feel. I mean, I, I learned at the car wash and and it was funny, the, the, the detailed manager at the car wash, when he was teaching me how to run a rotary, you know, the first thing he did, we did, a, he was teaching me on one of my buddies. Uh, my buddy had a Fox body Mustang, 89 Fox body Mustang. And um, this was like 95, 96, maybe. So he told my buddy, he's like, Hey, you know, we'll do a free detail on your, your car to train Alex. And I remember the first thing he did was he cranked the trigger, max that thing out and goes, and goes, this is what you don't want to do, and laid it down on the, the rubber trim of the rear quarter window. Ooh. He goes, That's what you don't want to do. And my buddy's like, <laughs> you know, like my car, <laughs> like what the fuck? Um, but yeah, dude, I I mean, listen, I remember doing my fair share of black cars, and and you know, we slap them with a heavy glaze on it, and like you said, they look like a mirror, they look wet, and then they go through the car wash a couple of times, and a month later, you're like, ooh yikes you know yeah i mean that was a the moment of truth for me because at that point like most detailers i actually had this conversation with a guy we just interviewed a new guy tonight uh -huh. and you know i said to him every detailer i've ever interviewed for a job at my business is the best detailer you've ever met yeah and i've never understood the egos in this business where i mean in other industries are plumbers like this are doctors like this where yeah Oh, I'm the best plumber. I'm the best doctor you're ever going to meet. And yeah. I never understood the weird egocentric attitudes that guys have in this business where they'll come in and tell you, I'm the best detailer you're ever going to see. And then they can't wash the car properly. Yeah. Right. But <laughs> that was my big turning point where it was like, you know what? Not as good as you thought you were. 
And after that, I just went on a quest for 15 years of trying to soak up every single piece of information I could in order to get better. And all the new technology that came out since then, the biggest yeah. thing after that was the, the Porter cables. Yeah. So that would have been 1997 Meguiar's had a branded Porter cable polisher that one of my customers brought me a, a brochure for. And I'm like, I want that. And I, I had to go through hell to get oh, wow. that through the Meguiar's distributor in uh, Toronto because they didn't really bring those into Canada. Okay. And they got me one. And I remember getting that little, and my dad, who was my business part at the time was like, you don't need that, you know, and didn't want to spend the money for it. And I think yeah. they were like $180 and bringing that in and just thought that was the cat's ass that this little dual action polisher, it didn't leave swirl marks. And I was like, there you go. Yeah. And that's going to solve that problem now. Right. So it's been a, it's been an interesting ride seeing how things, how much things have changed from, you know, 30 years ago, almost. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's a cool thing too. Cause I mean, again, I mean, I, I get a little bit of that because I, I did the rotary stuff, but then getting into management, you know, I, you know, yeah, I was, you know, present, but I wasn't running the detail shop. So I wasn't into it as much anymore. And, you know, and then now seeing the stuff now, but it's like, you know, the kids, the kids kind of coming into it now, or the young guys coming into it now. And it's like, you know, holy cow, you know, you, there's so much you can do and correct paint nice and right without having to use a rotary. And it's almost like, you know, there should be some kind of law that says that you can't start a detail business until you, until you at least run a rotary on a couple of cars. <laughs> well, that's where I think we run into a lot of problems with the, uh, with the industry in terms of guys opening businesses where I always say a little bit of information is really dangerous. Yeah. Because you'll get a guy who, who gets now, you know, a Rupus or a Flex, and they're a lot more forgiving to work with, but a lot more challenging, in my opinion, to really finish out. To find out, yeah. With. yeah. And you can have a guy who can take a car and make it look acceptable with very, very little skill or very little training. Uh, just having the right product, the right pad, and that polisher now. But taking it from that, you know, 60 to 70% corrected state to what a real pro can do, yeah. where 90, 95% perfect is a big leap, right? And, you know, we, we see a lot of the fake it till you make it uh, stuff. I'm sure yeah. it's going on, you know, everywhere yeah. in the industry where, yeah. you know, these kids will open up and it's like, yeah, we're paint correction experts. And it's like, well, where did you ever take any training? what do you know about paint? And I still yeah. had a couple of these guys where start asking them very specific questions about paint. And they just look at you like a deer in the headlights, like right. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. And you know, they get online and they get a little bit of information and they, they think that's the other part of that. It also is how much crap information there is on the internet. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. You brought up Autopia. <laughs> I, I got roasted on Autopia once. Okay. Because I called out some guys for bad information that they were putting out there. I think it had something to do with this guy had said the best way to get the paint clean is to wash the car with lacquer thinners or something. It was, it was just unbelievably dumb. What this guy had said, and I just said, you know, some of the information that's on this website is just truly terrifying. And all of the guys there were up in arms and just, you know, this guy, how dare you question yeah. Yeah. the group on this information. And, you know, I said like lacquer thinners, what is it meant for? 
doesn't mean that you can't use it. It's in, it's in the name. It thins lacquer, which is pain. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's not meant. It's not good for the clear coat on your car. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you get the guy, oh, I've been doing this 30 years and I've never seen any problems. And I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't mean it's not going to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. How often you see the car back, you know, like it may not manifest itself as a problem today, tomorrow, or six months down the road. But what if you, if what you did is going to destroy the clear coat a year from now? Yeah, it exactly. Should, it should be fine for 10 years, right? But what you did is prematurely caused a failure in the clear coat. So that's the kind of stuff where, you know, I see stuff that's posted, not as much now, because I don't really think those forums are as popular as they used to be. Now yeah. it's the Facebook. Yeah, groups. now it's the Facebook groups. Yeah. And you and me had a laugh about that before we yeah. get on. Yeah. Some of the stuff that goes on in those groups. And it's like, oh, like I've removed myself from 90% of them because I just can't take it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and, and, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to get out of a lot of them, but, um, you know, a lot of them are for me are a place to, to drop the link for the, for the podcast, you know, to get the podcast out there. So what I've, what I've adopted is the, um, the Dory from uh, finding Nemo just keep swimming uh, mentality. And I just keep scrolling. I just, yeah, I just don't, I, you know, and then, and it's, and it's crazy too. Cause there's sometimes like, I'll see somebody post something and it's like, uh, and I have to stare at it for a minute or two and talk myself out of making a comment. You know, it, it's hard sometimes, but yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not just the bad information. It, it's just the constant same. It's like groundhog day. Yeah. Like every day seeing, Hey, what's the best wax? <laughs> the best. Yeah. Oh what's the God. best? Like it drives yeah. me insane because if half these guys spent as much time trying to develop their business skills as they did worrying about what the hottest, newest wax or interior cleaner or whatever is. Yeah. They'd be so much farther ahead because that's, in my opinion, the biggest problem with our industry is that you attract people that are technicians. And most of the time, they're not even really technicians, but yeah, uh, because of the low barrier to entry to get into our business, there's no regulations and whatnot. Right. Detailers. Fuego is a game-changing wheel cleaner and iron decontamination product. The perfect two-in-one product that can be used to deep clean wheels or remove iron contaminants from the paint. From personal experience, I can tell you that Fuego doesn't have that traditional harsh smell of other iron removing products on the market, providing a more user-friendly experience. So go to hypercleanstore.com and pick up some Fuego today. And don't forget, Use the code DETAIL15 to save 15%. But they never develop themselves as a business person. And I was talking to this young guy who was in the shop this after, afternoon uh, looking for a job. And we talked about that, that just because you're a good window tinter doesn't make you a good window tint business owner. Right. And just because you're a good detailer doesn't make you a good detailing business owner. Right. Yeah. But conversely, just because you're a good business person is not going that's, to make yeah. you a good detailed business owner or a good detailer. So that's where I think if more people spent the time to actually develop themselves and it's getting better, it's definitely getting better, but it still has a long way to go. Yeah. With respect to getting some uh, credibility in our business where, you know, there aren't the vast majority of people in our business are just terrible business people. And, 
still don't do good work either. Yeah. Well, and you know, and again, I think it's like you said, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a low hurdle to hop over to get into it. So, you know, and, and nothing against, um, you know, I'm not a super highly educated person. Um, but a lot of guys who, you know, don't have the knowledge or whatever, and maybe, yeah, they're great at picking up a polisher or picking up a bucket or whatever. Um, you know, and they, they can make a business out of it, but you're right. Like they're not good businessmen or great businessmen. And I've, I've run into a lot of guys in this industry that, you know, are like what you said. I mean, they might be really great detailers, but they're like swimming in debt because they're not good at managing their business. Um, I used to run into a lot of people at, you know, mobile tech, or uh, I used to go to the world car care expo from the international car wash association in Vegas every year okay. back in the early 2000s. And I'd run into a lot of people and a lot of people knew who I was because I had a fairly high profile at one point on Autopia and a couple of the other forums. Um, one of the big things was I was one of the first guys who had a really good website back in like 2002. So people had seen that and knew kind of who I was from that, but and I talked to them and I mean, it was amazing to me that these guys were holding me up as somebody that was, you know, really well known in our industry because yeah. I didn't think I was doing very well and really wasn't at the time compared to what I should have been. But I talked to them and some of these guys were like, you know, my business made $25,000 last year. Like, how do you live on that? Yeah. And, you know, you got to hold yourself to a higher level than that. And I remember the one guy was from Fort Lauderdale and I said, like, I've been to Fort Lauderdale lots of times and there's a lot of money in Fort Lauderdale. And he talked about his clients, you know, these guys all live on the waterway and they've got yachts and whatnot. But he's like, I just can't seem to get more than 125 bucks for a full detail. And I said, like, how long are you spending doing that? Like you are offering these guys yeah. a premium service by bringing all your stuff to their house they don't have to inconvenience themselves by bringing their car to you and all the rest is like, you're offering something that in my opinion, you should be charging extra for, and you're doing it for nothing. And he, he couldn't get his head around that. And then the other thing was, I said, if you were going to come work for me and it's slightly different for you guys in the U S because our climate with respect to our costs in Canada, yeah. you know, our healthcare at least is covered for the, for the most part. But I said, if you came to work for me, what would you want out of that? You, you definitely probably want vacation. You'd want healthcare benefits, hopefully some kind of dental plan and, you know, 401k. Like these are all things that normal people that are looking for a job will ask of their employer. Right. And are you willing to ask that of yourself? And the guy said, yeah, but it's my business. I said, so what does that mean? You know, at the end of the day, you're saying it's my business. So you're willing to work for peanuts because it's your business. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No. You know, like you, if you would ask of that, of someone else, the whole, like at the end of the day, what's the whole point of you opening your own business? You know, I hear people, oh, I'm, I'm passionate about this. Be passionate about your hobbies. You know, that's where you can go be passionate. Yeah. At the end of the day, a business is about one thing and it's producing profit. It doesn't mean you have to become a millionaire, you know, you, right, I mean, right. it's all scalable with respect to how much money you feel you need or want to make. But at the end right. of the day, you should make enough money that you're able to provide a reasonable income for yourself and your family and have something left over after you're paying 
to invest back into the business or yeah. to invest in whatever, right? Like businesses don't exist just to create a job for yourself. And I think most of the guys in this industry that's lost upon them where they just end up and I did it. I mean, everybody, anybody is, wow, this guy's a real jerk. And the reason I know is because I did it myself. Yeah. yeah. First 10 years I was in business. All I did was exist. Yeah. And I, I made okay money, but I worked, you know, six yeah. days a week, 70 hours, 80 hours a week to make the money. I could have probably made working for somebody else in 40 hours. Right. But yeah. I mean, it's ultimately led me to this point where, you know, my business is successful and we're doing well now, but would I do it again now? Not the way I did it for sure. It right. Yeah. In that respect. But I mean, I'm here, so I'm grateful for you know, the experience and I wouldn't change anything. But if somebody else can learn something from where I did everything right, but everything wrong also. Yeah. And we, um, we've talked about that before on the podcast where, you know, my, my, I guess, opinion or my view of it is a lot of detailers are unsure of themselves as a salesperson or as a business owner. So they do get into that, like, you know, uh, okay, well, I'll do it for $125, you know, or if the client's like, well, you know, the guy down the street will do it for this. And I'll be like, okay, well, you know, like, you know, cause they're, they're unsure of the, their confidence and selling it or running it. Like, yeah, they might be on the, the, the Facebook groups, you know, beating their chest. I'm the best and best. And, and they might be, but that's where I think a lot of detailers fall short. And, and if they would just kind of hold their ground and that was something that I had to learn again. I mean, like I came from the car wash side of it. So like, I didn't know, like, I see all these guys on Facebook, these guys I look up to and I'm like, God, I can't even touch their work. Right. And I mean, you know, so I'm like, okay, well, I'll do it for this and I'll do it for that. But once I started understanding, like, you know, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily matter. Right. Like, you know, everybody's perception of percentage of paint correction is different. Your, your 90% might be a completely different, or might be a lower number than my, my 90%, right? Like, or, or higher than my 90%, right? Like we we're different levels. Um, and as long as you're confident about your level of work, you should hold your own with your pricing. And that's one thing I've learned over the couple of years of just saying like, you know, sorry, that's my, well, you're too expensive. Sorry. I've got, hey. I've got three other people that are, you know, booked up, you know, with no problems and it's okay. Um, but again, I know where that's hard, especially when you're starting out, you know, and you got a, you, you know, you got a wife at home or somebody at home, like you didn't make any money this week, you know, um, and that's hard, but sometimes, uh, you know, you have to, you have to draw that line in the sand and, and stand on the side that says, I'm not doing this for free or, or next to nothing. And I've had to tell clients that before too, you know, I mean, when I, when I increase my prices, you know, and they're like, Oh man, you know, your prices have sure gone up. And I'm like, look, dude, like I just, I, you know, if I'm going to do it for you for what I was doing it for, like, I might as well just close my shop down and go flip burgers at McDonald's. Right. Like, cause when it breaks down to an hourly rate, that's where I'm at. And it, it that doesn't do anything. So yeah, that's, that's the, it's a really good point you made about, um, you know, your confidence when selling. And I remember being, I mean, I was only 20 when I opened. Yeah. And I remember when I initially set up my business and what we were charging, my top detail was 150 bucks. Oh, so I laugh about it now. 
Yeah. And, you know, I remember people coming in and were like, you know, how much is this going to cost me? And they get in your face and they get aggressive. And it's like, I remember it'd be like 150 bucks. Yeah. Like, that's what we charge. <laughs> yeah. is, is that okay if I charge you that? Right, right, right. And then it took me a long time to get to the point where I was, you know, and so many people are immediately all over you on price that you become defensive right off the get-go. Yeah. And when it got to a point where I finally looked at how busy we were all the time, like, well, we're obviously good at what we do. Everybody says we do a better job than everybody else. Why am I working for the same prices as everybody else? And then when people would come in and say to me, I remember the first one where I, I mean, maybe it was 300 bucks. I charged 300 bucks for this detail. And the person was like, okay. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. Person didn't put a fight up at all. And I almost felt bad for being able to charge that much, even right. though I probably still made nothing. Gen KO is an all around multi-cleaner capable of removing light to moderate water spots, grease and grime. My name is Jennifer Turcott, and after 22 years in the detailing industry, I'm so proud to have a product that is helping my fellow detailers around the world. I've tested Gen KO for more than two years before the final ready to use product was produced. To get your own, you can contact me directly or go to www.igocodingsusa.com, contact your local IGL distributor or installer, and pick your bottle up today. And don't forget to share your experience on social media using the hashtag GenKOMix. But that's the biggest thing to overcome when, you know, you're, you're a, a newer business person yeah. and you're in sales, sales side. And I, I know I'm really good in sales now to sell the jobs that we sell now. Right. Um, and to be able to overcome people's objections when you're selling jobs that are, you know, three, four, five, ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 on a car, you've got to have your, your stuff together. Right. So to speak, right. People aren't just going to come in and drop that kind of money. And I have people that grill me, grill me about why they should use me because there's always somebody cheaper. Yeah. Right? And the biggest thing that I've learned is that saying no is not a bad thing. No, it's not. It's not. So, and the other no. thing, the other thing too, that I've noticed too, like when you said, when you went to your, you know, 300 boxes is I noticed, you know, when I started increasing my prices, and my ceramic coatings because I started low because I didn't think anybody would pay this insane amount of money for it. You know, again, coming from, you know, hand waxes at the car wash for $49.99, you know, like, um, and what I noticed is, is as I increased, I had less pushback on the pricing versus when I was super cheap. Not and to mention you're probably working on far better quality products. Exactly. And the other thing I noticed is, and especially now, you know, when I tell somebody I start at two grand to do a correction and a coating and people are like, okay, what I've, what I've learned is the people that are serious. I mean, you're always going to have the, the, the price shoppers, right? But the people that are serious know what a correction and coating should start at. And, and typically in my area, it's that 1800 plus range. So, you know, me telling somebody $2,000 and them saying, okay, you know, like it's not a big deal because they've done the due diligence, you know, whereas if I was like, oh, well, 1300 bucks, you know, 1400 bucks, they probably wouldn't go with me then because they, because they know it should cost more kind of deal. So I think that's the other thing is when you raise your prices, and, and it helps with the clients giving you that confidence because they, they know what it should cost.
Well, when you, when you, the other thing I noticed when we started increasing our prices in the late nineties is that the people who don't appreciate what we do are the cheapest people. Yeah. Um, and those people who are all over you on, I mean, we do a lot of interiors. That's okay. the number one thing that we get requests for. And I know it's a little different where you guys are, Yeah. but the cars get really dirty here because the yeah. winter. So everybody, like I'm getting a thousand phone calls right now, but how much to do an interior. Wow. And these cars are beat up and, you know, with COVID, a lot of people haven't had their car clean in a couple of years now. And when we were in the nineties, you know, I remember we were doing interiors for $80 on a van. Right. Wow. And, uh, the cars that you would get and you'd get people still giving you grief about the price back then. But when you're dealing with people at a low price point, they don't generally tend to respect their vehicle, number one. And for them, no matter what you charge them, because they don't respect the work, it's an astronomical amount of money, whether it's, you know, 50, a hundred, 200, 300, 500, whatever. Um, that's what I always came across. And once I got out of that cycle and said, listen, I'm not doing this anymore. And, you know, we start for an interior. Now it starts at 300 bucks for a car. Yeah. A car that's in relatively good shape. Uh, that's a $300 interior detail. Right. For me. And, you know, I, I said like, we're at the point, I just don't want to do them anymore. Yeah. So I don't want to do them. Um, so if that's, we're going to do them, I have to charge this to pay yeah. my people. And that's how I get, am. get rid of all those cheap people yep. with really shitty cars. Sorry for the lack of a better phrase for that, but you yeah. get rid of all these really crappy cars that take forever and you get better quality customers. You by do. Charging more too. You do. It's, it's funny because, you know, I get people all the time and I, and I, I start at the same price. I start at $300 for interiors too. And I tell people it starts at 300 bucks. I can't quote it until I see it. Cause interiors are, you know, I think almost harder to quote without seeing it than, than exteriors are, um, you know, and you, and you get the, okay, thanks and hang up, you know, but like you said, the quality people that are like, okay, well, well, you know, can I make an appointment? And then you get the car gets there and it's almost like immaculate on the inside, you know, and you're like, oh, you know, like I've, I've had some cars that come to me and I'm like, why are we doing an interior detail on this? Like, you know, it's, it's, it's immaculate. There's no dust anywhere and they're happy to pay me $300 anyway. So, you know, Hey, whatever, but yeah, you're right. You know, the, the, the better confidence you get and start charging those prices, you start get better, better clients. And, and I think that's where it's easier to build your business on. Well, the education, we talked about that, that for me is a huge confidence builder as well. When you yeah. get around other uh, peers, like you and me talked about our, our good buddy, John Purdue. Yeah. Uh, so me and John met probably, I don't know, eight years ago. And, you know, we're very like-minded in terms of the way we do things and um, always want to continually try and take our businesses up to a new level and our skills too. The more skills you have, the more confident you're going to be. Yeah. Just based off you, you kind of understand, especially when you're around a lot of people that are like-minded and, you know, the better guys in the industry, and you can kind of use them as a measuring stick for where your skills are at. And that's a big confidence booster where you're like, you know what, like I can see where my work is at and compare it to what other people that are well-known and doing really right. well in the industry are doing and say, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm able to do what they do and I should be charging this. Yeah. Right. And I mean, most of the guys in the, uh, that are installing the better products, that's where we really kind of all really started to meet each other. 
um, was because of the ceramic coatings. Um, and, you know, you'd meet the other installers that were doing the coatings at some of the events and whatnot, and you'd kind of be able to talk about different things. And that's where I really started to meet a lot of uh, other guys, maybe eight or nine years ago. Okay. Um, and when you can put yourself in a room with a lot of those guys and you can bounce ideas off each other and see kind of what they're doing with their business and they're seeing what you can do with yours, it, it gives you a huge amount of confidence because you see, okay, well, this guy's done this with his business. He's able to do this. Yeah. And I see their work and it's great work, but I can do that as well. I'm on that level. It's, it, it's a big, especially like I'm in London, Ontario. I was like little London, Ontario, right? Yeah. In Canada, compared to, I've got buddies in all the major American cities that are huge cities. And um, it's like, wow, we're, we're on that level with these guys that are in yeah. this massive American city that are, that are big name guys. Right. And they're on my level. And, you know, it, it, it's really, really uh, a great way to increase your own confidence to, to be around your industry peers. Yeah. I think another thing is kind of like what you were saying earlier about the egos, right? I mean, like if you look at the guys in this industry that that don't have egos, some of them like myself play an ego guy on the podcast, but I'm really not. Um, but like those are the guys that I've noticed over the past year and getting to meet different detailers through this is the guys that just kind of stay quiet and don't have that ego are the ones that you really want to pay attention to and kind of learn from versus the people that are on Facebook, just, you know, pounding their chest, look at me, look at me, look at me, um, with a, with a huge ego. Um, so that's, that's the way I look at it too, is, you know, try to, try to look at, you know, who's not so flashy and those are the guys to talk to and learn from. Well, you and me talked about this where I've never understood the whole ego thing with, with detailing and, you know, window tanning and now paint protection film where you get guys that just constantly running their mouths about how great they are and they're yeah. the best guy you're ever going to meet when you're that great you don't need to tell people right you know what i mean when you're doing your thing you don't need to tell people people see that and they could feel it just from being around you um and I've, I've never seen that in other industries you know like i have a friend who owns the most successful plumbing and heating company in my city and you know he's doing really well he's got a big company yeah i don't hear him i don't think i've ever heard him yeah <laughs> i'm the best plumber you're ever gonna meet he is he's amazing and he runs a great business and i've learned a lot from being friends with him yeah about the way he does business at his business but i've never can you imagine there being a convention of doctors and you know, these doctors all sitting around and saying, I'm the greatest heart surgeon you ever yeah, get. I don't, yeah. I don't think that happens in that bit. Maybe it does, but right. I've well, it's, never it's, gotten the whole ego thing in our yeah. business. It's funny. It's funny that you kind of say that, especially with plumbers, because we had uh, Dylan Von Kleiss and Eric Joseph on um, two weeks ago. And, uh, and it was funny because they brought up the plumber thing. Um, you know, the plumbers talking about like, oh, you know, I got the, uh, this tool or that tool, you know, bragging kind of thing. Um, and it was actually kind of funny because they were talking kind of along the same lines, you know, do plumbers have Facebook groups that they're in, you know, talking shit about or whatever. Yeah. And, and my buddy, Jason, who's, who's my co-host on the topic episode, he actually searched it and there is a, a, uh, Facebook group of plumbers in Jacksonville. So, um, it's just funny that you mentioned the plumbers. We were talking about that because uh, apparently there's at least a, a, a group of uh, plumbers in Jacksonville that have a Facebook group. So 
I don't know if Jason was able to get on it to find out if they talk shit or not, but <laughs> I'm sure it happens. Is your car detailing website crashing and burning? Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. You're putting the pedal to the metal, but not seeing the leads you want? Bingo. Keep your detailing website out of the danger zone. Yes, sir. Detailers Roadmap is the premier web service for detailers. You need to be doing it better and cleaner than the other guy. Now, what is it with you? We build punchy marketing campaigns and cost-efficient websites for detailers designed to get you leads and generate traffic. Custom-built websites start at just $99 a month. I feel the need, the need for speed. And unlike other developers, we only work with one industry, yours. Stay out of the danger zone. And cruise on over to DetailersRoadmap.com and see how we can push your leads into overdrive. Talk to me, Goose. That's DetailersRoadmap.com. DetailersRoadmap.com. Roger. You can't learn anything. And I that's the biggest thing I've learned is that no matter how good you think you are at something, there's always something oh, always. that can always. make it better. <laughs> And why wouldn't you want to be better tomorrow than you were today? Right, exactly. That's the way I always look at it, right? Like I always feel bad for the guy that I did today because the guy tomorrow is going to get a better job, right? And then the guy the next day is going to get a better job. And you're right. I've, I've been fortunate enough to meet some of, you know, the industry's top detailers, you know, or, or so-called top detailers through this podcast. And, and a lot of them are just so humble and they're like, you know, I'm really nothing, you know, like you, you're better than me. And I'm like, no way. I'm not better than you. Shut up. You know? Um, but well, funny way that a friend of mine put this to me once is we were talking about this very topic. And uh -huh. he said, at the end of the day, most customers look at us like we are just auto janitors. Thank you. I've and I'd never heard it. it kind of expressed in that way, yep. but really, I mean, I've had people, I mean, I was a kid. I was yeah. really a kid i was 20 years old when i opened my business and i'm in there wearing cut off jeans and a t-shirt with my name on it and you know really not looking very professional when i first right. opened the business but um you know being treated by a lot of people over the years even when i was in my 40s you know when i got into my early 40s like people still looking at me like i'm this meathead kid yeah well you clean cars for a living you yeah know? you're a car washer and it's like okay, how do you get an ego when most customers look at us that way? Right. And that's what I've said too. Like I could go to my, my clients and be like, oh, you know, uh, I, I, I talked with Brittany Doyle. Who the hell is Brittany Doyle? You know, I could be like, I talked with, with Aaron Knox. Okay. Who's Aaron Knox? You know, like we make ourselves or the industry kind of makes ourselves more famous than we really are in a sense. Um, and again, like you said, at the end of the day, our clients just think that we're glorified car washers, you know? <laughs> I mean, I think, I think the industry has gotten a lot more respect over the last 10 years. It, it has. Cause I, I do, I mean, some of my clients, they, they know better. I mean, they've done the due diligence. They know the, the work that I do. I mean, you know, they can see that, you know, I'm better than the guy down the street or, or whatever. Um, so I think, yeah, I think, a, I think a, percentage of it but i i still think overall you know again especially when you get people that are calling you and you tell them it's 300 for an interior and they're like why so much you know that they're the ones that just look at us as glorified detail or glorified car wash guys yeah 
I think that's always going to be there for, because when we, what we're selling is non-essential. Yeah. Someone like I, my buddy is a plumber once said to me, he's like, I don't understand why you're not busier in the winter. And I'm like, well, here's the difference. What you do, if somebody's toilet breaks, they kind of have to fix it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Their plumbing backs up. They have to fix it. You can't not fix that. Yeah. If your car breaks down and it won't drive, you kind of have to fix that. Your car's dirty. People will just put up with it. Right. They don't exactly. want to spend the money. Right. So, yeah. and or a luxury it's item. That, yeah. It's something that somebody could grab a vacuum at home and right. relatively clean up their car better than it was. Right. Yeah. They can't really do what we do, but they can do something. So a lot of people just don't respect it because they don't understand what the difference is. Right. And I, I remember back in, I mean, this was when I was still running the car wash, but I think it was like 2000, 2009 ish or so after the, the, the crash and everything. Um, I remember one of my buddies showing me one of my car wash buddies showing me an article and it was the, the top 10 luxury items that are that people are doing without now that you know the market had crashed and the housing bubble bust and all that stuff and i think like number six on their list was car wash and detailing um that's the only thing i remember from that whole list was i just remember that car wash and detailing was on there and it set it set it in my mind especially at the time you know managing a car wash that you know we are a luxury item and not a necessity you know like you said you know, people don't need their cars to be clean. They just, they want, you know, and if they have the money to pay for it, they'll do it. If not, they'll, it'll be dirty. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that's the other thing. People think the, the, the detail, the, the ego, right? The detail ego thinks that everybody needs us. And we don't need them. Well, I think anybody who's been in this business for any uh, period of time and wants to stay open knows that that's not true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um so what other kind of stories you got i mean no what, what do you want to hear I've i mean listen stories. listen cam i'm gonna give cam a shout out cam cam was like you got to talk to scott man he's my brother from another country Cam's my or, boy. yeah you know i mean I, well, I guess technically you guys are from the same country but now he's in australia as he he's originally from canada right that's what john uh about. yeah i believe cam's mom is from alberta which okay. is like outside of the country for me but his dad is australian and i think he grew up for the most part in gotcha. australia okay anybody who doesn't know who my boy cam watson is runs custom car care wagga in uh, wagga wagga new south wales australia you need to look him up cam's the man Cam is the man. Totally 100% legit detailer. Could learn a lot from that guy. Yeah, we're going to have Cam on in like, I think, two weeks. We uh, finally Cam. we finally figured it out. We finally have figured out the, I think it's like a 14-hour time difference. Yeah. Technically, technically, I will be talking to him in the future. Because, <laughs> because, right. because it'll be, it'll be Friday night, eight o'clock my time, but it's going to be Saturday morning, 10 o'clock his time. So he is going to be in the future. He's going to tell me all the lottery numbers. People keep telling me that's not how that works, but I don't believe it. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Cam was like, dude, you gotta, you gotta talk to Scott. So, you know, I reached out to you and, you know, Purdue was like, oh yeah. He's like, yeah, you want to talk to him. So, you know, 
Um, I don't know what, what kind we've of story we, you're looking for, though. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, just whatever. I mean, whatever you want to talk about. I mean, we've got. I mean, we're almost at an hour, but we still got another ten or fifteen minutes before we get there. So let's let's just have some fun with it. Um, I'm trying to think of some funny detailing stories. Most of the stuff that's really funny, I probably can't talk about publicly. Um, and those are stories where just things with, you know, the crew of guys that I pile around with that are, yeah. who I haven't seen anybody in years now because of COVID. Right, right. Um, but, you know, we've had some definitely some interesting, uh, interesting times with me and a, well, a month, like guys like John Perdue and our buddy Cougar Alphavig from uh, Lux Automotive in Salt Lake City. Uh-huh. Um, there's lots of guys all over the U S Canada, Australia. So, so let me ask you this then, because, you know, John hyped you up as the angriest Canadian and you even kind of said it earlier, but man, you've been pretty, you've been pretty laid back and chill. I don't get that angriest Canadian vibe uh, from you. I mean, that's just, uh, that's just <laughs> John taking it out on me because he's jealous. He's not Canadian. That's probably, that's probably where it comes from. It was, his partner Dave calls me the meanest Canadian, which might be true, but that's not saying much because Canadians aren't really that mean. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, well, my biggest thing is I don't hold like very much like John. Yeah. And I laughed when he said he was going on this podcast and I said, uh Oh, because like John, I don't hold my tongue and you know, I will lay it out bare for people yeah. when I don't agree with something. I'll, I'll say things uh that i believe to be true like i could literally go into a million things with the detail industry that i know will get me in trouble with somebody right right uh, where you know i just i have a, a habit of i just don't i speak my mind yeah right? and some people really like that because they know i'm a hundred percent honest uh i'm a hundred percent forthright with people but I, I will tend to say things that are, might be uncomfortable for some people to hear. Yeah. And I'm perfectly willing to hear that back too. Right. Um, about myself or about my business also. Right. Right. That I can learn from that. Like, you can't learn anything from people that won't be honest with you. Right. Right. If they're just kissing your ass all the time and telling you you're doing a great job, you're never going to learn. Yeah. 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 Like I think John said it in, in the podcast that uh, you, I think the first one you did with him, uh-huh. uh, he posted about it and that's where I first heard of you. Um, John's like, Oh, I'm going on my buddy's podcast, this guy from Florida. I'm like, what is it? And he's like, Oh, I'm talking about, I don't remember what he was talking about, but he said, you know, most of the guys in our industry are idiots. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't say, I, I can't say I really disagree. <laughs> right. Uh, most of the guys that, and now that doesn't mean there's not a lot of really nice, uh, hardworking people that try and get into this industry but the problem is if you look at the type of people who have normally gravitated towards detailing um or window tinting has always been one that i've had a lot of problems with right um the guys that are in the window tinting business there's a lot of people like not so much the business owners but um some of the guys who tend to gravitate towards that work they're just like wow yeah where did you come from? Yeah. How do you, how do you exist in this world? And detailers, same thing where you just see guys. And like you said, the, we were talking about the ego thing where, yeah. you know, I, I had a, if you want a really good story, I had a kid once who was from up North. And when I say, I mean, I'm from up North to you. Yeah. So this is, he was from about 10 hours North of me in a, in a 
small city in Northern Ontario. And he applied for a job with us and he said, uh, well, I know you guys are the, are the best shop in the city here. And I, this is where I should be because I worked at this luxury car dealership where I came from. And I don't want to brag, but I'm quite well known for my quality. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I've, I've been doing this. At that time, I'd probably been in business for 20 years. But right. I said, we'll probably count on one hand the amount of times I've had a guy in here who said they know how to detail, came in here and could even wash a car properly. Right. So I'll tell you what, let's get you started. I'm going to have you put you right back here, get you washed in this car. And this guy was so arrogant and let him wash a vehicle. And for me, I can generally decontamination wash most vehicles in about 30 minutes, not including drying it, et cetera. But yeah. you know, that includes my initial prep to rinse the car down really well. My initial uh, APC wash, my, you know, uh, Iron X, and then a, a neutralizing wash at the end. Right. So I've completely decontaminated the car, cleaning the wheels, wheel wells, door jams, et cetera, right? Half an hour and the car will be washed to perfection. Uh, this kid, I think he spent about 45 minutes on it. And afterwards, I walked him around the vehicle and just started like this, the wheel wells, you didn't clean the wheel wells at all. The wheels aren't cleaned properly. The rocker panels aren't cleaned. You didn't get any of the bugs off. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. And the kid just sat there and looked at me like I just grew horns out of my forehead. <laughs> And I was like, dude, like if you're going to come in here with that bullshit yeah. and tell me that how good you are and this is the kind of work, you said you've been doing this for five years. And like, I just gave you the simplest job you can do in my shop, which is right. And I don't know how old you are, but I, I was born in 72. So I'm almost 50. I'm right when behind I was, you. I'm at, I was 73. So I just turned 49. Yeah, so you may remember this. When I was a kid, you used to hear this kind of thing. Like if you were doing poorly in school it's like you're gonna end up washing cars for a living yeah yeah that was big i remember that vividly from when i was a kid if you were a meathead they'd be like you're gonna wash cars for a living like that you were an idiot that's what you yeah doing. yeah and it's honestly when i teach people that start up my shop and i start trying to train them i always tell them this is the most important skill we have in my shop if you can't wash a car properly to prep this car, for what we're going to do to it, it ruins every other aspect of what we do in the shop. Right. The door jams aren't cleaned properly. You screwed up the interior job. If the car is not washed properly, you've screwed up any kind of paint correction we're going to do. And it, it is challenging to wash cars properly. And not only know, I always say to be diagnostic. Like we're, what we're doing is not really any different than what doctors do or um, dentists or mechanics or all kinds of different professions is that we look to see what the problems are, diagnose them, and then we take the corrective action that we need to, to fix them. Right. right. And people have a really hard time with it. So I always take people around the car and I say, what's wrong with this car? Look at it for two minutes before you start working on it. You wouldn't expect a doctor. You just show up in their office and I'm going to start cutting you apart. Yeah. You don't know what your problem is. Right. And, that for me has always been a, a, a very, very um, strong part of where you get guys in our industry that have these massive egos that just really can't back up what they say on even the most simple tasks. And it's hard. I mean, what we do is really at the end of the day to do it well is hard. Yeah. You have to be organized and regimented to be able to do things, not only in a way that fixes the problems that you find but it's not going to be harmful to you 
the car and not only harmful today, but tomorrow, six months down the road, a year down the road. Right. Because I mean, I remember getting chemicals all over myself, you know, wheel acid on my hands and, you know, breathing in stuff and getting paint thinners on my hands and whatnot. And obviously that's not a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah I know. I did it to myself <laughs> 25 years ago, but you know, I would hate to think that one of my staff is doing these things. Right. Yeah. And I'm not providing them with the information where it's like, you know what, maybe you shouldn't be putting solvents all over your skin. Yeah. Central nervous system. Yeah. Cancer, you know? Yeah. So I, I'm a stickler for making sure that I, that I put gloves on now for just about, anything that I'm doing that's got something abrasive. Now, you know, again, in the car wash, you know, using a wheel acid or a, or a heavy nylon spotter or a lacquer thinner or whatever to remove some tar off rocker panels, like, you know, we weren't putting gloves on back then. So I, don't, I can't even imagine 20 years plus in the car wash industry, what I've probably have you know, whatever. I mean, I was, I was a firm, you know, I posted the meme, you know, of course, when, when COVID happened, I was, one of the ones that posted the meme that's, you know, all the stuff that's in, you know, all the, the, the car wash chemicals and compound dust and everything I breathed in, you know, would fight off COVID. Oh, um, because, I've made because, a similar joke. Yeah. I feel I that said, way. Like, you know, all I'm this not stuff. worried about COVID. COVID's worried about catching me. Yeah, I've been exactly. exposed to so many chemicals in my life. I'm impervious to everything. This right. Point. That's how I feel like, you know, um, but yeah, it's, I, I think that's, I think that's, uh, you know, something that I, I, that I look at now and I go, Oh my gosh, like all those years, like, you know, this splashing on me or, you know, touching it, a damp soaked towel with this or whatever, like, what did, you know, what did I do? You know? Well, not just your, your own personal health too. What I was getting at is like the cars, like, yeah. Yeah. I remember like you said, the guy, the guy wiping the car down with lacquer thinner and ruin, you know, could potentially ruin the paint and everything. Well, if you want a funny story, you ask me for stories. Here's a really good one. So 20 years ago, we had a, uh, there was a transmission shop around the corner from us and they went out of business and a guy bought that building. And I mean, it was contaminated, like you wouldn't believe, but he was a parking lot operator and he bought it to kind of store the stuff for his parking lots in one of the bays. And then they were like, well, what are we going to do with the rest of this space? Well, let's open a car wash and detail business because this is easy, right? Right. So I remember when they were opening, it was the first time in about 10 years that we've been open and where I really had any kind of competition that was close uh -huh. to where we are. And I was a little worried and nervous about it. And then they opened up and I was like, Oh God, this is not going to go well. <laughs> um, we had a guy show up once this would have been in the early two thousands. And he had a, uh, I think it was like a Chevy Beretta. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And it had, a. you don't see this much anymore, but it had a maroon velour interior. Oh, and the car wasn't that old. It was only a year or two old. And he came in and he's like, you know, I need to get my interior detailed and blah, 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 blah. And I, I looked at it and I'm like, wow, your interior is really faded. And it had this white, like dusty looking appearance on the seats. And they were all just faded right out. And I said, uh, what happened to your car? And he's like, well, I used to get it detailed at this place around the corner. And you know, it was 50 bucks for a wash engine shampoo and a full interior shampoo. And I was like, what? <laughs> and 50 bucks like how are you going to get it and anyway i ended up asking the supplier what he was selling to these guys and do you remember hot purple or purple power yeah like yeah kind of yeah colors? yeah that straight nasty degreaser oh, heavy heavy yeah. beetle based like 
degreasers that are just nasty. And I remember we used to keep a pail, a five gallon pail of, it was called hot purple from carburetor at the time. Uh-huh. And we'd use it just for cleaning white walls because it would pull right, yeah. out the white walls if you hit yeah. them on a, a wire brush. And I wouldn't use it on anything else. Well, they bought one product for the whole car wash. They were washing <laughs> cars with it. They were doing interiors oh, with it. Man. I can't even imagine if guys were putting their hands in this stuff. They were using it to shampoo the interior. Ugh. But what I ended up finding was that they used this on the uh, interior, which of course pulled all the color out of the seats. Yeah. And also the, the white chalky appearance was it was the fire retardant that was all coming out of it. They were pulling all the fire retardant out of the interior. Oh, so, yikes. You know, I said to the guy, like, you're, just so you know, like if you ever have a fire in your car now, like you're going to burn to death. Like they, they've removed all the fire retardant. That's what's all over your seats now. And uh, like, it's not about just what we do today on your car. It's that we didn't damage it today. Right. Or tomorrow six months or a year or two years short the lifespan of any of the materials. Like that's something that I always try and impress upon people is like, do no harm today, tomorrow, a year from now. So we're trying to prolong people's cars, not, you know, shorten the lifespan of how these cars finish it interior components it's it's also knowing the difference of your chemicals right like knowing the difference between a degreaser or an apc you know because they're not the same (laughs) it's just not not. yeah it's some of the stuff i've seen over like we we posted on my instagram today uh you know i was talking about these youtube certified detailers yeah and we had a girl come in and she'd had a ceramic coating applied on her car um, and I mean, we've had a couple of cars already at our shop that have come out of this particular facility. And, uh, you know, the guys always say, well, I got a ceramic coating and it lasted about a month. Yeah. I paid 1200 bucks for this. And it was, you know, after a month, it seemed to stop working. So I I'm fairly confident. I know what they did. They didn't prep the car properly and applied the coating and it just yeah. fell off the paint because it didn't adhere properly. But this one came in and the girl said, well, uh, the badges they they debadged my car and then painted all the badges black and reinstalled them she's like i'm not really too happy though and i look and it looks like they took like a flathead screwdriver to pry the the badge uh, the car. so there's three big gouges in the out paint. of the paint oh and it's dented too where they kind of pried underneath <laughs> it and i looked at it i'm like you are the biggest idiot in the world like even in my first day in this industry common sense would tell you not to do that yeah um so now she's like we so now we've debadged it again and because the badges weren't attached back properly right and you can actually buy these badges in black too yeah why you just wouldn't buy new ones tell her like lisa you get we just get you new black ones and replace them yeah so now i've ordered the proper black ones um but i've now i've got to get my pdr tech in to see if he can kind of flatten out these dents and i'm gonna yeah. have to remove all this and they didn't even tell her they damaged the car too Right. Just, well, of course not. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know how you could think you didn't. You're going to get away with that. It's not <laughs> maybe, underneath. The maybe, I was going to say maybe they thought the badges would hide it. No. But uh, and then it is garbage paint touch up over top of it too. So oh. now I got to remove that and try and touch it up and wet sand it and make it look half decent so that it's not going to be as offensive to this poor girl, right? Right. Well, I uh, got one that's that's not as bad, but kind of. Um, so last year I had a client um, who purchased a uh, 96 uh, Porsche Targa. Um, and so he brought it to me to, to get it corrected and coded. 
So the badge, the Porsche badge, or what this says Targa, the Targa badge on the rear, you know, the um, the 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 engine, the engine uh, lift, whatever, whatever you call them on Porsche, so the hood, I guess, the engine hood. Um, yep. <clears throat> so the previous owner had removed the badge to paint to to paint it black again because I guess maybe it had some chipping on it. So rattle canned it so it looked like shit. And then I guess maybe because they didn't know how to use double-sided tape, decided to super glue it back on. Oh, so I, I've actually it, seen that before. Oh. Add, but here's here's the here's the shitty part, right? So they they put it on and didn't, you know, like apply enough pressure for long enough or tape it down or whatever. So when they let off over, I guess, however much time the badge slipped a little bit. So now the whole top edge was super glue. And so the client was asking me to try and, you know, get it off. And I said, well, look, first of all, anything that I can use to take the super glue off is definitely going to take the paint off of the badge. And I said, I don't even want to touch that. I said, honestly, I said, I'll do the whole rest of the car. You know, it's a 90, 96. So it's the 993 body style or whatever. So that, that panel was really small, you know, not a lot of panel. I said, I'll do everything but that panel. You take it to Porsche, you have them take the badge off because it's super glue. And I don't know if I take it off, if it's going to wreck the paint, whatever it's going to do. I said, you have Porsche fix it, reapply a new badge or bring me the badge. I'll stick it on or whatever. And then I'll, and then I'll touch that, that panel. But yeah, super glue. Super glue is the way that this person thought would be the best way to put a Targa badge back on a Porsche. I've seen that. I've actually seen that. And I've, I'll, I'll one-up you. A friend okay. of mine bought a, I can't remember what year it was. It was a, it was a C4 Corvette ZR1. Okay. And it's been repainted, but suppose, supposedly this car came out of some famous Corvette restoration facility. And we did a massive paint correction because they'd repainted this car and done an awful job wet sanding it. So there's deep wet sanding imperfections Ugh. all over this car. So we had to do a massive like 15, 20 hour paint correction on this car, jet black, of course. Yeah. And someone had at some point taken the Corvette emblem off. And I don't know if you know what the C4s were like, but yeah. it had a Corvette emblem on the back. Yep. And I called him and I said, listen, this thing's got to come off. It looks like a piece of bacon. You know, it's just wavy, right? Yeah. So it's not on there, right? So I'm going to have to take it off. We should just get you a new one. And apparently this one for the, the ZR1 is a special color and you can't get them anymore. So I'm going to have to try and save this badge. So of course I pull it off. They paint it around it. <laughs> So this has been off the car at some point, reattached. And then when they repainted it later, they just paint, they taped off around the badge and painted it. So when I pulled it off, there's no paint underneath it. Oh, so, and it's all shit too. It's all chipping around the edges. So, right, like, right. Where are so I literally had to spend on this stupid badge. I mean, I think I spent two hours removing all the old dried, you know, 20 plus year old double-sided tape off the back of it, yeah. retaping it with new double-sided tape, trimming it, et cetera, et cetera. Taking the exterior side and 
sitting there polishing it with a you know my little nano polisher yeah get it shiny and looking relatively good and then i had to touch he didn't want to but client didn't want to repaint that back panel so i'm sitting there with a touch-up stick trying to arrange this on the so it makes it look covers the maximum amount of paint right. damage. yeah it. it's just like how much time did you save by doing this <laughs> you know what i mean like, not taking a bad job oh Another funny one we had, I took off a uh, sticker. Somebody had a car and it was like, can you take this sticker off? And I'm like, yeah, no problem. So I pull the sticker off and there's a two inch hole in the car that someone had hit it with something and put this and they just put a sticker, sticker over, over it. Let's just stop a sticker over it. That'll be good. Yeah. That was an awkward <laughs> phone call. I was like, uh, you got a bit of a problem. And we have what's called Canadian tire here, which is a, a auto parts store. Yeah. I ran over and got them a new Canadian flag sticker and stuck it back on top. <laughs> like problem solved. You should have got some, what is it? That flexi flexi seal. Oh, well that, that wasn't around back then. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. Well, listen, Scott, I, I we're man. If I don't, if I don't get off now, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be able to cut this thing up to have out for tomorrow. Um, Listen, I, I appreciate you doing this, especially kind of short notice because I just messaged you yesterday. So I'm glad you were kind of kind of free. Um, no problem, give one more shout out to Cam for for kind of linking us together. And, um, you know, and, and John Purdue didn't have any part of this, but we'll say his name one more time anyways. Yeah, anybody uh, doesn't know who John and Cam are, John Purdue. Uh, listen, uh, my, my, my listeners definitely know who John Purdue is because right now he has the most listened to episode the original one the john purdue uncensored is is almost at 500 listens um, until now yeah yeah <laughs> until now everybody go listen to i this will guy. listen to this 501 times tomorrow <laughs> just to meet john just to beat john <laughs> nice oh man well listen man you have a great night i appreciate it um it was nice meeting you and uh man i you know we'll talk more for yeah. sure man anytime i'm always happy to chat Awesome, buddy. You have a good night, man. Appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. Bye.